You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Brayman. Today, we're back with John Farragon to talk about Paxlovid, an oral antiviral treatment from Pfizer for COVID-19. Thanks for being here as always, John. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be here again to talk about another uh, potential treatment option for COVID. So, John, let's break down what exactly Paxlovid is for folks. Yeah, so Paxlovid, I'm just going to tell you from now on, I'll probably just call Paxlovid, but there, I want to kind of talk a little bit about what the drugs are. Some of them don't have official names yet. Um, one of them uh, is this, uh, it's a combination of, of two different medications that are taken together. Um, they're taken separately, but they're taken at the same time. Um, the first one, um, the, the, the Paxlovid part of it is uh, the PF07321332. So every drugs before they get named have a number. So um, this is, uh, this is the, the number and it's a SARS-CoV-2 investigation antiviral. Uh, and it has to be taken actually in combination with a drug called ritonavir. So if, again, if you remember, if any of you were doing HIV, or many of you probably listening do, um, ritonavir was, a, was an old booster that we used to use for, for patients with HIV. Sometimes patients are still on, on ritonavir as a booster. If, they're, if they have a lot, of, uh, a lot of resistance, they might be on some of the, some of the older, older regimens. But um, ritonavir does cause some drug interactions. And so this isn't going to be some benign drug combination that's going to be easy to do. Uh, but to know, but basically this, um, uh, there's a, there's a uh, protease called this 2,3-CL protease, which is what the, this PF0732-1332 is active against. So um, this enzyme, this, uh, this protease enzyme is required for the SARS-CoV-2 to replicate. So prior to viral RNA replication, basically this medication inhibits how the, how the protease or um, how the proteins are actually broken down um, to, uh, to, um, to form an infectious virus. So it involves with inhibiting that, that, that cycle. So these medications are actually taken together separately, but they're taken together. Um, and again, it doesn't look like it's gonna be a combination tablet, um, uh, but I'm sure that's being developed. But right now, the, the way the dose is gonna be um, taken is that you would take the, the, the PF0732-1332, 250 milligram uh, uh, tablets to get 500 milligrams. And then you would take one uh, ritonavir 100 milligram tablet as the booster. And these are given, given twice daily for, for five days. So basically it's a three pill twice a day regimen for five days. And basically we're, we're going to, from now on, we're just going to call it Paxlovid. I think it's just easier um, for, 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 for ease of, um, of, of the podcast today, but don't, don't just know that it's a protease inhibitor 
has to be boosted with ritonavir. And again, for those of you who've been around for a while, know that there's a lot of ritonavir drug interactions. So for some of the patients who might be taking this, who might be, you know, um, uh, on a lot of medications, this might potentially be a potential problem as well. Uh, although there is some good efficacy so far, and we'll talk about that next. Can you talk a little bit about how the study was conducted? Um, yeah, so this is one of the study set, the data sets that I'm aware of. This is the EPIC HR study, the phase, it's a phase two, three study, which basically looks at this protease inhibitor um, for COVID-19 in high-risk patients. This is randomized so that both arms, you know, different arms get different stuff, double blind. So people didn't know what they were getting, neither did the investigators, non-hospitalized patients. They were diagnosed with COVID-19, and they are at high risk of progressing a severe illness. So basically, the primary analysis of the interim data um, evaluated uh, a little over 1,200 adults who were enrolled prior to the end of September of 2021. So at the end of the decision to stop recruiting patients, the enrollment was approximately 70% of the planned 3,000 patients. So again, large study, right? And these were uh, patients that were across different parts of the world, North and South America, Europe, Africa, Asia, 45% of the patients were in, in the United States. And basically patients had to have a laboratory confirmed um, diagnosis of SARS-CoV-2 within five days. And they were required to um, uh, have at least one characteristic or underlying medical condition, which was um, has been shown to be associated with increase of developing severe illness from COVID-19. And then patients were randomized one-to-one -one to get placebo, um, orally 12 hours for five days or this Paxlovid with, you know, with the, with the low dose ritonavir. And what do we know about the results from this study? Yeah, so this is the most important piece, right? How well the patients do. And I think the data so far, again, it's an interim analysis. So you always have to be, take that with a word of caution, but so far the scheduled interim analysis looks at there's about an 89% reduction in the risk of COVID-19 related hospitalizations or death compared to placebo. So these results, again, were for people for treated within um, three days of symptom onset. And only about 1% of the patients who received treatment were hospitalized um, through day 28 who, um, um, following randomization, there was only three out of the 389 hospitalizations and nobody died in the patients who got the, the Paxlovid. That's compared to 7% of patients who received placebo and were hospitalized or died. That was 27 out of 385 uh, with seven subsequent deaths, which again, this reached statistical significance. So just to kind of recap, 1% of patients who got the drug only um, uh, got, got one up hospitalized with no deaths in that arm versus 7% uh, of patients were hospitalized and um, seven people actually wound up dying in the patients who got placebo. So again, it looks like it, there's going to be some pretty good efficacy for this combination. So similar reductions were also find, found in, um, in the people who were hospitalized, hospitalized within five days uh, of symptom onset. 1% of patients who got treatment versus uh, about 6.7% of those who received placebo. Um, 10 deaths in the, uh, in the placebo arm, no deaths in the, in the, uh, in the Paxlovid arm. So again, this is also statistically significant. So overall, it looks like through, uh, through day 28, um, there, were, um, there, were, uh, th there were no deaths reported in the patients who got Paxlovid, and there was 10 people who died in patients who received placebo. So really what we're looking at is hospital hospitalizations are higher, um, uh, severe disease is worse, and deaths are more common in those patients who got placebo versus those that got, got, the, got the combination therapy. So again, this is in the hospital setting, right? These are people who are, um, uh, these people are <clears throat> treated with, these are people who are 
um, hospital, uh, hospitalized. Um, uh, so, so again, you're probably going to see a, a decent effect, but it's going to be, I think for outpatients, this is going to be an important piece for us to, uh, a piece of our, of our, of our armamentarium for, for preventing people from going into the hospital, I think is, is going to, is going to be the key. Question that always is on my mind. And I think on the minds of many is what about safety? How safe is this new drug when it comes to potential side effects? Yeah, so the safety data included a larger set of uh, just under 2,000 patients, and uh, these are patients whose data were available at the time of the analysis. And then if you look at treatment and adverse events, um, they were comparable between Paxlovid and placebo, and most were mild in intensity. Among the patients um, who were valuable for treatment emergent adverse events, fewer serious events and discontinuations of study drug due to adverse events occurred in patients of Paxlovid compared to placebo. So it appears so far really no safety signals that have come up that have been that have been glaring um, as far as people who've been on this on this so far. This has been a really interesting topic. Do you have any final thoughts as we begin to wrap up? Yeah, so really quick, you know, obviously this is another option for 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 um, for managing people who um, or hopefully will be another man, uh, an issue or another option for people um, with who get diagnosed with COVID-19. I think um, if it's approved and authorized, uh, this would be the first oral antiviral of its kind, this 3CL protease inhibitor. Again, it's specifically designed to combat SARS-CoV-2. So Pfizer is seeking this emergency use authorization for Paxlovid within the U.S. and then also in other, other places as well. Um, the U.S. government has already uh, uh, acquired or will attempt to acquire 10 million treatment courses to be delivered by Pfizer beginning later uh, in 2021 and concluding in 2022. And Pfizer is going to receive about $5 billion from the U.S. government, depending on uh, contingent upon regulatory authorization. So this offers us another option if the EUA goes through um, to help manage people and to keep them out of the hospital. Very similar to what we do with the monoclonal antibodies, this would be a five-day treatment course, which potentially could make a big difference for those people who are, who are at high risk. And again, I think that the consistent point here is that you know, the people can get sick from COVID. We don't want people dying from COVID. And in, and in the Paxlovid arms and all the studies so far, there have been no deaths of any uh, with anybody that's been hospitalized. Hospitalized versus you know there's not not a, a, a significant number of deaths in, in the other arms in the placebo arm, but they are statistically different when you compare the two. So if whether you're um, diagnosed within three to five three days or five days, you know results at 28 days were very similar, where there was more deaths than people who got placebo versus Paxlovid. So I think really a great option potentially down the road for us to to help manage patients with COVID. John, thanks so much for joining us today and telling us about this new advancement in the fight against COVID-19. I think we can all agree that, you know, an oral medication would be a game changer for treating the virus. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.necaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know.
This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.